Standby. Hello, this is Penn Jillette. The possibility exists that if I were to actually listen to the lackadaisical Librocubicularist podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I would potentially enjoy it. A ringing endorsement. Potentially enjoy this episode, which will start after the other half of my magical comedy duo, Teller, gives us a countdown. Take it away, Teller. Hello, welcome to the LibroCube. My name is Jordan Maywood and I am the lackadaisical LibroCubicalist. Today, my friends, we have a lot to talk about, so I will get through it quickly, is my goal. It is not my promise, I was going to say it's my promise, but I don't want to make that promise because sometimes I meander, as I'm doing right now. So to promise no meandering in the middle of a meander? That is insane. (sighs) Something I like to say at the top of every show is that if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is a million dollars. No. That is ridiculous. The only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend. Perhaps you rate, subscribe, and comment within iTunes. As that is, uh, you know, good for podcasts, and this is one, so it would be good for it. Another thing I like to say at the top of every show is that there will be spoilers. This is your one and only spoiler warning, possibly. It is the one you should take heed of, definitely. Uh, I think uh, the only other piece of podcast-related stuff thing... That I uh, wanted to mention is kind of a little cool behind-the-scenes action thing, which I like to throw out from time to time. Uh, I just posted an episode last Wednesday. That's not going to make sense from when you're listening to this. Uh, Let me just say I posted an episode less than a week ago from the point of view of me recording this now. Uh, and that episode already has, uh, you know what, I didn't check it today, but probably 350 downloads, which is uh, getting close to the most downloads I've ever had for one episode, uh, which is exciting. But what's even more exciting is the time frame in which this has happened. So uh, pretty, uh, pretty cool, and uh, I thought I would mention it here. One of the things I think may have contributed to it is the fact that I have the word porn stars appearing in the title of that episode. Uh, not once, not thrice, but twice. So maybe that has something to do with it. The, the skeptic, the cynicist, the cynicist in me thinks maybe that's why. Uh, what was the title? It was um, uh, basically along the lines of, and this is a true fact... Uh, the nerdiest thing about me is that I watched porn stars play Dungeons and Dragons for the Dungeons and Dragons and not the porn star. Uh, and that is probably, of, of all the nerdy things that I have been nerdy about, that's probably, just from a, a standpoint of a declarative statement, uh, that's probably number one, I would have to assume. So, you know, there you go. Speaking of going...
Today's movie monologue sponsor is Jim Henson's The Dark Comedy. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you for that sponsorship of this movie monologue, in which I have four movies, which means I probably will run out of time. If past movie monologues are any indication. Movie the first is called uh, Obvious Child. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, this movie has been on my radar for a while now. Uh, I've been meaning to watch it and finally pulled the trigger on it and glad I am dead. <laughs> glad I am dead. Oh boy, glad I am dead. That is not a sentence. Uh, this movie stars Jenny Slate, who is basically the reason that this has been on my radar for a while and I wanted to watch it because she is the best. Yeah, uh, super, super big fan of Jenny Slate and anything, yes, I think I could say this statement, that is anything I've ever seen her do or be in has been gooder uh -huh, because of her participation in it. And she was the star of this movie, so uh, I knew it would be good. Despite the, well, not despite the, uh, even with the accompanying uh, sort of darkness of subject matter, let me read the imbede, as I like to do from time to time. A 20-something comedian's unplanned pregnancy forces you to confront the realities of independent womanhood for the first time. Uh, basically, she contemplates, uh, gets, perhaps, a uh, an abortion. So... Uh, when I heard people talking about this movie, quite often uh, it was described, maybe not rightfully so, as the abortion comedy. So it's a, a comedy of obviously the dark variety, which if you've listened to many of these episodes you will know are quite often my favorite of favorite movies are dark comedies. Uh, that's the other reason I, I thought I would like this, uh, dealing with a very serious subject. So... Uh, all of those things combined, Jenny Slate, darkness, comedies, means that uh, a regular listener of this podcast will not be surprised whatsoever when I say I give this a, <clears throat> excuse me, I got a frog in my throat again, uh, a four out of five, yes, uh, I, I don't think I can get quite give it a five out of five, just for the reason that uh, perhaps there wasn't as many laughs as there could have been. I, I, maybe that's a lot to expect from a dark comedy, but with Jenny Slate, I expect a lot because she always pays off. Yes? Good. Turning it around to movie second, The Baytown Outlaws. Oh, yeah. Uh, this movie was okay. It's an action movie. If you go into it expecting some action and some guns and uh, some pretty, pretty girls, uh, you won't be disappointed. The story, I didn't really get, and it didn't really matter that I didn't get it. <clears throat> uh, didn't get it because I wasn't fully paying attention to it because I was playing video games while watching it, or didn't get it because it didn't make sense. I don't actually know. It, it was one of those two things. Uh, here's the imda. When three redneck brothers agree to help a woman save her godson from a, an abusive stepfather, they become targets on the run from an odd cast of characters. <clears throat> the cast of characters was odd. That I can verify. Uh, and I think that's probably one of the reasons that I did actually like it. Uh, I like a movie 
with an odd cast of characters. There's the, that's, that's sort of the, the good way, the easiest and therefore best, mm, sure, uh, way to sum up uh, why I like a movie such as this. Uh, there's, there's scantily clad women assassins. There's other types of assassins. Various assassins. You know what? Uh, I suppose you could probably make... Uh, uh, comparison to what the hell is that movie? Uh, the Warriors. <clears throat> so uh, in that you have a group of guys trying to get from point A to point B with gangs in between, uh, trying to stop them. This very very similar, and although not gooder, still pretty good. And uh, I think on that note, rating wise, I'll go a, a solid three. Enjoyed while watching, but wouldn't watch again, which is what I use my threes for. Okay, uh, next is Nature Calls, uh, another dark comedy. Uh, polar opposite brothers Randy and Kirk never saw eye to eye, but the rivalry... Jesus Christ. Oh, how do I... I think I fucked this up. Oh, no, I didn't. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, their rivalry is taken to a new level when Randy hijacked Kirk's son's sleepover, taking the boys on a scout trip to remember. Yes, I feel like I read that weird. To remember. To remember. Uh, so the brothers are Johnny Knoxville and Patton Oswalt. So that right there is a good uh, is a good pairing as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Patton Oswalt does some dark comedies. Uh, there was another one, it was like a sports one. Anyways, uh, as you've heard, we're already out of time, and I did want to try to keep this to within the time limit, because potentially I'm going to record back-to-back podcasts. So, I'm just going to leave it at saying, uh, three out of five as well. Uh, less laughs, more darkness. Okay, uh, moving on to the final movie, Mortified Nation. Uh, adults share their most embarrassing teenage writings and art in front of total strangers at mortified stage shows across the country. As the filmmakers explore what the show's popularity says about all of us. Uh, so a very, very interesting idea. Good, good premise. Uh, and if one of these shows was playing locally, uh, would be a good night out to go see one. Uh, the movie itself, documentary style, uh, picks, I guess, from among the best, I would assume, of these uh, embarrassing storytellers. And uh, I gotta say, I don't know if I would have the balls to reveal some of the things that some of these people revealed. Uh, that being said, I didn't keep a diary or a journal, so I wouldn't be able to anyways. But uh, I'm sure off the top of my head I could come up with some uh, embarrassing things that happened to me. Uh, I don't know, I didn't really have uh, an embarrassing childhood. Somehow, someway, despite the fact of my personality and looks, I was seemingly, at least in my memory, uh, somewhat popular. Hey, how about that? I had uh, lots of friends uh, and lots of people I cared about, and uh, presumably, to all outward appearances, uh, cared about me. So hey, yay! Uh, Mortified Nation, I'll also give a 3 out of 5. Yay that, I suppose.
Television Talk. Today's Television Talk sponsor is Religious Miracle Debunkers. Uh, oh, so they are Religious Miracle Debunkers. They're Angel Investigations is the name of these Religious Miracle Debunkers. Oh, boy. <laughs> I wrote that uh, longer ago than I remember. I mean, the sponsorship came in longer ago than I remember, is what I meant to say. Okay, edit that out. If I did any editing, I probably would, but I don't. I just don't. I used to edit, and then I stopped doing so. So things like that are going to stay in. One of the reasons I do that, just on a total non-television talk related note, is because all the podcasts I listen to, uh, every single one of them say, no, we don't edit. We don't edit. We used to edit, but we don't edit it don't edit anymore and I don't think it's for the reason of laziness it is easier and that is appealing to me but uh, the way they explain it uh, is not from a point of laziness it's from a point of it just ends up being more real Uh, it ends up sounding more like what you would want it to sound like than when things are sort of brightly polished and and not believable so that's a philosophy I have adapted Speaking of adapting, one may adapt from a human being to a vampire if you're you're sucked on and sucked back to... Oh boy, that is going down as one of the worst segues I think I have ever done. And for that reason, it is the greatest. We're going to talk about Angel Season 1. Uh, longtime listeners of this podcast, or even recent listeners, will know that I recently finished watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So, it should come as no surprise that I have moved on to Angel, and I'm working my way through that, available for your viewing pleasure on Netflix. Uh, one thing I am sort of very happy about doing this is the fact that I think either the last time and maybe even the last two times I rewatched Buffy, I didn't rewatch Angel. Uh, just for the reason that it's not that I don't like it. I, I, I love the show. It's just perhaps my love of it isn't quite as high as it is with Buffy. So what that means is uh, rewatching uh, what we're here to talk about, season one of Angel. There were things I didn't remember happening, characters I didn't remember, little jokes, little tidbits, little Easter eggs that uh, I was delighted to re-see and re-remember. So uh, I'm digging this. I think I might even say I'm actually digging so far Angel uh, on par, maybe even slightly more uh, than I had my re-watching of Buffy. So... It's, it's probably just the years in between because there's so many more um, have added that like button higher to thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, at the start of the series, Angel has just moved to Los Angeles, which I always found, uh, this is from the Wikipedia page, uh, interesting locale for a vampire television show to put it in one of the sunniest places uh, in the United States, if not the world. Uh, still, it gives them some interesting things to work with uh, as far as traveling through sewers. And uh, One thing I always look for, or I don't know if always is the right word, but have been looking for is how much they reuse underground uh, scenery because you got to assume they only have so much underground spots they can shoot that are made up. 
so uh, we've got Cordelia Chase from Buffy, who was, as far as uh, the looks department, definitely was one of my favorites. Uh, and then, as far as the characters, one of my least favorite from Buffy. Uh, and rightfully so, just for the reason that she played a sort of prissy, stuck-up, uh, not very nice person, uh, the type of person that you're meant to dislike. So, when they brought her over from Buffy to Angel, I think that was kind of a gutsy maneuver on uh, Mr. Joss Whedon's part. Because he had to, in essence, transform her uh, and yet keep that sort of underlying uh, dislike of some of her, if not action, some of the words that come out of her beautiful, giant, uh, smiley, big-lipped mouth. Okay, then. I think, you know what? Uh, as from happens, as from happens, oh boy, I'm having trouble with the, uh, what do you call it, English today. As from happens time to time when I'm talking, uh, or attempting to talk in this case, I will come up with the title of the episode while saying things. I think the title of this episode is going to be um, Big Beautiful Smiley Mouth. Uh, big beautiful smiling mouth for BJ's for BJ's yeah that's uh, I've sort of this is you know what let's do this as an experiment we will have the the, <laughs> the title of this be big beautiful smiling mouth for BJ's and then see if having a sort of sexual element to the title is what got me the listens that the uh, past episode involving porn stars got. Yeah, yeah. It's an experiment. That's what we'll say. Uh, okay, so anyways, as you've heard, we're out of time uh, as far as talking about Angel. Uh, this season one, so far, so good. You've got Angel, you've got uh, Wesley Wyndham Price, you've got some of, um, oh, what the hell is her name? Faith in the form of Eliza Dushku, who uh, always had a big crush on. She's probably my favorite in, in terms of just sort of oozing sexuality. Uh, my favorite Carrie from the Whedon-verse. Yeah, I think I would say that. I mean, now you have that Black Widow. She's pretty good, too. But still, yeah, but still, I'm going to stick with Eliza Dushku gets a 5 out of 5. <laughs> 5 by 5, you might say. Today's book banter sponsor is Heartfighter. Oh my god, what is happening to me? Heartfire, dating website for uh, this with acid reefer. What does that even mean? I can't even understand what is written here from this stupid sponsor. Heartfire, dating website for those with acid reflux. Oh, Heartfire, I get it. Uh, folks, you know what? Uh, here's a here's a theory we're going to throw out here. Normally, 
when I record a podcast, I do it on a Wednesday. Today, I'm doing it on a Monday. Normally, when I record a podcast, I'll stop on my way home and get something to eat. So I just sort of walk in the door and start recording, basically. Uh, today, I came home, cooked a little dinner, ate it, sat down, watched a little TV, and then recorded. So I, I think the me changing so many things, my brain is rebelling and saying, no, this is not allowed. Don't do this ever again. And I'll tell you, I probably won't after how, how poorly my words have been coming. <clears throat> Heartfire by Orson Scott Card, which we spoke of before and will not this time, the separating the man, asshole, from the works. Good. Uh, on that note, similarly, uh, if I do recall, and I do believe I do, maybe even spoken of it on the podcast, I uh, read the Ender's Game series of books, and uh, towards the end of those, they got... Uh, for my opinion, less good. Uh, I think even the last book, maybe two, I didn't even bother reading because it sort of fell apart. Uh, this, to a lesser degree, is following that same sort of thing in that uh, there's there's still good. There's, there's still I still want to know what's going to happen to Alvin Maker, but uh, my interest is waning a little bit. So maybe that is something that Orson Scott Card's books suffer from. Has anyone else ever noticed that? If you have read Ender's Game, did you make it through the entire, you know, eight books? If you've read uh, these Alvin Maker series, did you make it through every single one? Uh, that being said, still going to give Heartfire a three out of three. Um, if you've listened to my other talks of the previous books, uh, we're still following Alvin around. Uh, this one focuses a little more on uh, Peggy. <clears throat> uh, this is the one, right? We want Peggy going because... Oh, yeah, yeah. So uh, his wife, Peggy, is in the Crown Colonies, which still have uh, legal slavery. And she's trying to prevent that from happening without starting a war. So she's trying other means. Her means come in the sort of form of the fact that she's a torch. I did air quotes there. Uh, and what that means is she can look at someone and know where they're gonna, what they're gonna do with their future. They're gonna know, basically psychic would be one way to say it. Uh, so she started whisking things up and trying to prevent slavery from happening uh, using this ability. Uh, Alvin's brother Calvin, <laughs> which is not confusing, just for the reason, because they're so totally different. It's almost a, a, a sort of a good son, evil son scenario, a little bit. Uh, he's also within the Crown Colonies, just stirring up shit as he does. He, at one point, uh, and this is kind of the magic that's involved in this, he sends out what's called his doodlebug. So people who have magical... And uh, I'm using different words just to make it more easy to understand. People who have magical abilities in this universe are able to basically send out their brains, send out their thoughts, send out their doodlebugs, which will let them, say, see into people's uh, hearts, see into uh, a river and then stir up the water and create fog, or see into things. It's basically what they use to explore... The, the magical realm of the very, very small. 
because as I mentioned previously, uh, something uh, I really something I really enjoy of this series is the uh, less hap- it seems to be happening less, but the now that I think about it, the the way in which Orson Scott Card uh, he did it more in previous books. Maybe that's why I don't like these ones as much. Anyways, what he would do is uh, attempt to use... Maybe science is a strong word, but what people from this time period would understand as science uh, and then use that to explain how people have these magical abilities. So, for example, with Alvin, uh, he was talking of the little things that everything is made of, which are, of course, atoms. Uh, I don't think he really used the word atoms and didn't describe it in that way, but that's quite obviously what he's talking about. So uh, a cool mix of, not sci-fi, but trying to use science to explain magic. Uh, And I always appreciate that because it's got to be harder to do, and uh, it makes it sort of that one tiny little step more believable, I find, which which I like. I, I think it pulls you more in to a fantasy realm when you can picture uh, the fantasy being explained through science. So there you go. Uh, this book, we'll just go with like a three, maybe even a four out of five, which uh, when I started off was such easily giving them fives, it's it's not bad, it's just a bit of a downturn, I guess you would say. game Gavin sponsor is Mad Moxie's Marvelously Melded Mixtures. Thank you, Mad Moxie. Okay, uh, this is a game Gavin I am excited about because we're going to talk Borderlands, colon, the pre-sequel. Ah, I kind of, when this came out, and it came out a little while back, uh, didn't immediately jump on it like I did with uh, Borderlands 2. And did it come out really close to Borderlands 2 in terms of time frame? I think it might have. Maybe that's why I shied away a little bit. Which, uh, after playing it, I, I don't know why I did. Hmm. Uh, maybe my thought was to wait until it was at full price. Which it wasn't on Steam the other day. It was, uh, it was at a very good discount. I think it was like $19.99 or something like that. So I hopped on it, and boy howdy, and I'm glad I did. There's, uh, there's nothing really like a Borderlands game... Uh, it does first-person shooting just amazing, just at its sort of core, that that gameplay element. Uh, it's so... It, it's hard to explain, obviously. It, it, it's just so perfectly executed. Like, you're, you're aiming, you're, you're jumping, you're moving. Uh, sort of amplified even in this one because you're on, like, a moon, so uh, quite often gravity is a lot less, so you're jumping, you know like 10 stories in the high 10 stories in the 10 stories in the high he says oh boy maybe I should just get high it would probably have better results in my talking processes anyways uh, so you're jumping 10 feet in the high (laughs) we'll stick with it and uh, while you're shooting at a guy on the ground who then also jumps uh, and then being able to keep the shooty 
The shooty reticle. The shooty reticle. What is wrong with me? Uh, <laughs> the crosshair is on the guy. Uh, not easy, but with uh, with enough skill, you could do it fairly easily. I, I, I'm not like a, a Call of Duty play till I get my prestige kind of guy. So, uh, and a little older too, which they say your reflexes aren't as good. So for, for me to be able to do it with not incredible difficulty, uh, I think is, is quite a feat. Okay, so that's just the bare bones. Then there's the story on top of that, which uh, you do, if you've played Borderlands 1 and 2, uh, you do want to know about um, Handsome Jack. Like, you want to kind of know where he got, where he is, what's his story. And that is what this is going to tell you, as you can probably imagine. Uh, something strange, and I don't exactly remember how they explained it now that I think about it. Uh, one of the character classes you are able to play as is a handsome Jack. A uh, clone? Yeah, I, I guess it was kind of a clone. So uh, that's the one I chose. For the reason that uh, you were able to, as your special power, create two identical handsome, handsome Jacks to fight at your side. Uh, if you've listened to my Borderlands talks on this podcast, which I can guarantee I played Borderlands 2 and brought it back here. So did I, did I have this podcast when Borderlands 1 came out? I can't actually remember. Anyways, uh, something I love of this type of game and being able to pick character classes, uh, which happens in a lot of things, not just first-person shooters. In fact, usually happens more in role-playing games. And that is the ability to push a button and then have things come out and fight for you. <laughs> is it the laziness in me that appreciates it? Is it the fact that I can push a button, watch people fight while I sit back and, you know, relax a little bit? Maybe. Maybe it is. For example, uh, in Borderlands 2, I guess it would have been, I'd play as the... I forget what the character class was called. It was like Soldier or something like that. Uh, and you'd push a... Pu push. You'd push a button. Oh my god. Uh, you'd push a button and then uh, you could shoot out a couple of turrets. Those turrets would be there for a little while and they would shoot bad guys. while well, you could, you know, hide behind them or... You know, fight alongside them as you're supposed to do. So uh, that's the character class I took. And this one, I went with the route of uh, Handsome Jack where I could shoot out a couple of handsome jacks that would then fight for me. Very, very cool idea. Uh, a lot of, as this game is known for, laughs. Uh, there's still... And this has come up from time to time on Game Gabbins. Uh, I've still yet to play a video game that had me laughing out loud like a television show, like a movie, like... I don't really laugh uproariously at books very often. Anyways, <clears throat> I wonder why that is. Can they not just hire some funny, funny writers from things uh, that have generated laughs in me? If, say, Scott Ackerman was to create a video game, could he make it in such a way that I laughed uh, as hard as I do at, say, a Comedy Bang Bang podcast? I'm probably saying that because I was in the middle of listening to one on the way home. Anyways, uh, I don't know. This this is definitely up here in terms of laughter and moments of going, <laughs> like I might have done that a couple of times, but uh, still, it's not blowing me away with its its comedy compared to other mediums. Let's say, 
Uh, all in all, as you've heard, we're out of time, so I should be moving on. Uh, easy, easy, easy for me to give this game a 5 out of 5. I uh, loved it, and uh, I still, despite having beaten the main storyline, uh, have some additional missions that I can go uh, go play, which potentially I will this weekend, although I should move on to a uh, game for next game gabin for next week so well we'll see we'll see uh, maybe i'll do both you never know it's a long weekend i should say canadian thanksgiving long weekend to give you a little perspective why don't i behind the scenes action Today's Internet Intercourse sponsor is Tireless Terry's Time Traveling Telescope. Thank you, you tireless, tireless Terry. Okay, uh, get some items here. The first of which is no such thing as a fish. Hmm. That's a podcast, folks. Yeah, it is. A podcast from the good people over at QI, specifically the QI Elves. QI if you are unfamiliar, is a show from Great Britain. Great Britain. Britain. England. London? Maybe. Uh, yeah, uh, not too, too long ago on a television talk, I spoke of the television show QI on more than one episode of this podcast, I do believe. <clears throat> uh, it's a show in which uh, Stephen Fry hosted uh, four-at-a-time comedians or interesting people would come on and they would talk of things that were, as the name indicates, quite interesting. Q-I, quite interesting. All the facts and little tidbits that Stephen Fry spoke of on that show were compiled by the Q-I elves, which were a group of people who uh, reek of librarianship. And I know this because I went to school uh, to be a librarian, so... You know, I can kind of smell out my like-minded kind. Uh, they have started a podcast, uh, which I'm not too surprised. It's a friggin' genius idea. The popularity of that show uh, in podcast form. Uh, more things like this should exist. Uh, you know what? I don't often rate things in the internet section of this podcast, just for the reason that I don't know why, to be honest. It just doesn't feel like the rating of things is a thing I should be doing. Or remember to do but in this case five out of five uh, someone recently added this to my podcast listening repertoire and uh, I'm glad I did because it's much like QI the television show uh, interesting facts and tidbits and mind-blowy things uh, with a dash of comedy on top which I love I love just like life. I like a some mind-blowingness, some thought-provokingness, and then on top of it, uh, a little comedy. Always on top, a little comedy. <clears throat> uh, the name of the, the podcast is interesting in itself. No such thing as a fish. Uh, I forget if it's Webster's Dictionary or some other source. Anyway, it's a source that's quite interesting uh, for the reason of its 
sort of esteemed scientific value, uh, basically says there's no such thing as a fish. Uh, a fish doesn't exist. The definition of a fish, there's things that swim in the ocean, but they all belong to different um, species and subspecies, and a fish is not actually a thing. Uh, hard to explain, and I probably did a poor job of it, so I will move on to the next item, which is Spontaneation. Yes. With guest Scott Ackerman, double yes, the aforementioned, since I aforementioned him, uh, host of uh, uh, C- Comedy Bang Bang, my favorite podcast. Spontanea Nation is turning into one of my favorite, uh, for the reason that it, like Comedy Bang Bang, makes me laugh out loud until there are tears in my eyes very, very often. In fact, today, a little bit. Uh, we're not here to talk about that episode, we're here to talk about this episode. Um, yeah, <clears throat> Paul F. Tompkins, host of the show, is, I think, for my bang, for my buck, on free podcasts. Like, uh, probably my favorite person to hear on a podcast, just because I know he's going to up the ante of laughs so high, no matter where he shows up, that uh, it's just... It's incredible. He does an incredible job of uh, tickling my funny bone. Uh, I I assume I'm not alone, but I also think his is a comedy that is a little more not easy to reach for some. I feel, oh man, I don't think I've ever felt so hipstery having a thought or saying something. But uh, but I do feel he's a little more highbrow. He's a little more uh, of a thinking... Oh, man, <laughs> a little more of a thinking man's comedian, I was going to say. But uh, I didn't want to be pompous to that degree, so I didn't say that. Uh, he actually... Uh... Oh, shit. He, uh, I just heard, has a comedy special coming out this weekend, so I will try to get my hands on that or watch it uh, on... I think it was on Comedy Central. Uh, oh shit, what was it called? Something about crying while driving. If you Google crying, driving, and Paul F. Tompkins, I'm sure you'll find it and be able to experience it for yourself. Uh, I will bring it back on a uh, on another day. Uh, that is a guarantee. I've already written it down to look for it. So, uh, As you've already heard, we're out of time. So my last item was uh, a TED Talk, which I think I have a TED Talk in my next episode as well. Hmm. Uh, okay, because I think I have two, <laughs> excuse me, TED Talks in two episodes in a row, the fact that I'm out of time to talk of this one uh, makes me feel less bad, I suppose. Uh, the TED Talk title, TED Talk title, TED Talk title of this one was, uh, This New Telescope Might Show Us the Beginning of the Universe. Oh, okay, well, let's talk a little bit about that, because that's, that's just a cool thought, a cool title. As I have indicated, uh, whenever, and I've spoken of this before, but I'm going to do it again, whenever there is a, a TED Talk title uh, that sort of jumps out at me like that, uh, I, I kind of feel like I have to bring it back. Also, for the reason that to say the phrase TED Talk title is fun to say, and I hope you say it along at home, TED Talk title, TED Talk title, TED Talk title. This telescope, uh, surprised, one, that it's not going to be in space. Uh, I thought for a telescope to really truly be powerful, it had to be in space, like the Hubble, which uh, they're working on, uh, I don't know what it's called yet, let's just call it the Hubble version 2, 
uh, and that's within the next couple of years even, I think. So so that's interesting right there. Uh, but this one, uh, going to be on Earth, I think it was in Chile, or Chile, if you prefer, uh, for the reason that it's super high up, so less atmosphere and uh, not a lot of uh, uh, light pollution, so sort of in the middle of nowhere. And uh, part of it had to do with the fact that they were now able to make such powerful... Uh, mirrors that it, it could gather light. I think it said it was like a ridiculous number. I'm going to make it up. It was like 15 times more powerful than the Hubble telescope. It may have been more. I don't think it was less. Uh, so we're going to be able to see objects much, much dimmer and therefore farther away. Uh, the whole time traveling thing is something that boggles my mind. And when you put any thought into it, it's obvious, but you do have to put a little thought into it. And it's that thought of uh, a somewhat simple thought when you say it out loud, but to really think about it makes my mind blow. Uh, and that is that when you look in the night sky and see a star, that light is so, so far away that it is potentially uh, millions of years old. So that, that's, you know... That's a good spot to end this podcast. In the mind blowiness of space time. Oh boy. I guess there's one other thing, of course. And that is to say that it's nice to be nice to the nice. Done and done. And I mean done. Done and done. <laughs> I like Ron. This is the end of the show. A sincere thank you for listening. Time to plug some things and I do not mean. Buts. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter. You can subscribe and comment on iTunes. Lastly, if you would like to contact the podcast, you can email. Jordan.Maywood at gmail.com I would like to conclude that I am not a robot and that I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. No, something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine The best is yet to come Live long and prosper